Some of you know that uh, Todd and I, we were on the worship team at uh, Elam Gospel Church up in New York. That's where I came out of Bible school and was, uh, uh, did an internship or became, I guess, like an assistant pastor. Um, we had a hard time defining my role there, <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the thing is, is about Todd is that sometimes, you know, um, I thought about you being up here, and I appreciate your confidence in the Lord, because he doesn't put on a bunch of airs. He could have come over overtly religious and given us some sort of pious explanation. Some of you might not have been comfortable with his joking style or his, his, how casual he was, and you're looking for something deeper than that. Just get over yourself. Now, I mean, I really don't. You better be going deep for yourself, you understand? Because when you're looking for man to do that for you, you're displacing what the Holy Spirit wants to do and what he's holding you accountable for. So let me just encourage you that way, because for us to be able to be naked and unashamed, and if that's who you are, then be who you are. Don't put on something and try to be someone that you're not. So I appreciate that. So even if (laughs) you might have come away saying, "Mm, that was a little weird, um, that's okay. We're saying it too. No, we, uh, we're, we're, we're having to learn what it's like to be able to dwell with one another and to be able to receive each other the, the gift that God has for you. Did you know that, um, that there was actually appointed for unintentional? Do you know there's intentional sin and unintentional sin? What do you think about that phrase? You think there's intentional sin and unintentional sin? What's unintentional sin? Didn't mean to do it. What do you mean you didn't mean to do it? You're living together, aren't you? You're not married. That's unintentional sin or is that sin? Just sin. (laughs) That's intentional sin. Premeditated. I've just come to justify my sin somehow. So see, what we have to do is we always have to take our life and say, I was sharing with Bob Winslow this morning, that the way I've handled certain situations as uh, I've caught in a little flack for. I don't mind saying that because the people who are offended aren't here this morning. I would say it if they were here this morning, but I don't mind having those conversations direct, meaning one-on-one. But if you have an issue with me, you have an obligation to come to me. If you have an issue with someone else, you have an obligation to go to that person. That's exactly what the Bible says. It doesn't say go to an a mediator. It doesn't say go to someone else until you've first gone to them. Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 through 18. Everybody familiar with that? So you deal with it that way. Pastors aren't supposed to stand up publicly and then browbeat you because you're doing something wrong, and they use the pulpit as a, they call it a bully pulpit, okay? This isn't about bullying somebody. It's called bullying a spirit. The spirit is deception The spirit is one that is division, divisive. The spirit is something that has to do with justifying ourselves. It means whatever I think and how it ought to be is the way it's going to go. And so sometimes I get blamed for this thing called it's my way or the highway. I don't know. I'm just the pastor. I just have charge over each and every one of you. No matter how much power you give me to be your pastor, doesn't matter. I still have to Watch over your souls. That's what the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 17. So what happens is, is that I'm appointed by God to shepherd 
the flock. I don't get to choose the flock, which is why sometimes the flock doesn't always look like me or what I might put together as my own little flock. That's why I have to be mindful that I'm embracing what God is doing in our lives. And then what I have to do is I practice redemptive discipline. Do you hear me? There's a difference between discipline and redemptive discipline. Discipline that is of the Lord is redemptive because it's meant to restore the people who are in either sin, unintentional, or intentional sin. So we speak against the things that are sinful, that dishonor God. And if that's hard, that's just the way it is. We have to honor God. And so what happens is, how many of you have ever tried to justify your own action or behavior? Is any, anybody in here justifiers? You know what that is? That you come to a point where you begin to defend yourself and your posture and your position. And you know why? Is because if you've been attacked enough, you get defensive and you're tired. You don't know if you can trust the person. Well, here's the deal. That's why we have more than one. If Pastor Joel is out of line, Joe Sadowski, you can talk to Bob Winslow, you can come to Ted, Terry, Daniel. There's several of you who are welcome to go to any of those. They'll tell you, did you come to me first? And if you didn't come to me first, then we got an issue. See, the first thing is to come to me. If If you don't like the way I handled it, if you feel like I was overbearing or whatever it is, then you have, you have the right to be able to say, well, I still disagree. Then you're welcome to go to the elders. I consider Bob an elder by appointment of the Lord, if you will. So, so you're welcome to go to one of these men. You're able to, to or, or women for that matter, you can share that. You could say, Becky Howland, Becky can come. And you know what? We'll have an audience together. That's the right way to, to deal with these things. And it may be that I haven't given enough explanation to defend myself or justify myself. I usually have more information than I should ever give out to anybody. So when I do that, I have your best interest at heart. If that's Diane with the surgery that she's going to go under, if that's Marcy for what's going on in your life, if that's Brian, if that's over here, if it's Frenetti, I'm, I'm, I'm going to share from what I know is, is acceptable, from what I've gotten some release of, but I'm also there to defend you and protect you and make sure that you... You have your dignity. And that goes with benevolence. That goes with any form of discipline. I feel like I need to bring this because right now, I'm telling you, where the Lord wants to take the church and where we're, we're going to be faced with spiritual um, battle and there's an insurrection, and that is when we don't like the way things are going, but we don't understand why things are happening, that we want to almost rise up. And that's where church splits, and that's where mutiny, and that's where all kinds of of dysfunction begins to happen is when everybody thinks that they're on the right side and this is what, and we get picking, choosing sides here. So I'm just telling you that there's some things where you heard me speak last week. Somebody took it intentionally. They took it personal that I mentioned punishment. Now, that happened to be a conversation between uh, Kevin and myself, and it was totally unrelated. Not anybody who goes to this church. And they were asking him about punishment. Kevin asked me about punishing somebody for their sin. And that's where I, I said it. Maybe it was flippant. I said, I'm not holding that gavel. Perfect love casts out fear. And it talks about perfect love. Those who fear aren't perfected in love because fear involves punishment. And it says God isn't going to... Does that mean he doesn't, you don't have any consequence for your sin, your actions? No, it means you will have 
He's the judge of those things. Well, don't we judge those who are inside the church? Yes, we do. And many of you know, I don't like confrontation any more than anybody else, but I'll do it because it's the right thing I have to do. I'm compelled to do as a pastor, as a shepherd. So if you're out of line, I have an obligation to come to you. I'll try to say that as gentle as possible. It always has redemptive purpose in it. That means that I somehow make something good out of something bad. I'll weep with you about your, your, your lives, about sin conditions, about your weaknesses, your failures. But folks, I have that obligation. And so the elders, they're privileged to that. We call it war room talk. It's the kind of talk that ought not to happen in public settings. You, you shouldn't even have to think about other people in the body in those ways. Now, that's just what it is because it's spiritual warfare. So let me ask you, what don't people know about you? And would that change anything? And how would you like to have it all aired out up here? There's no way you'd stay in the church if that was what was going to have to happen. If we were going to know your little sin conditions and the favorite things that you do that you get trapped in, things that you don't necessarily like and you have great grief after it happens, but the truth is you you seem to just continually go there. We sing a song. Remember that? It's probably a scripture too, Joel. But the song is, you know, if, if he should hold our sin against us, who could stand? Who could stand if he held our sin? What do you want to do? Classify sin and call this one is so great and this one is lesser sin? I like what it says, actually. I believe it's Psalms, but it could be Proverbs. that talks about sins. And he actually says these degrees of sins. Have you ever remember that? There's like six things he hates, and then he says, so no, seven. Anybody got that? Find it for me, whoever's there. So people say, well, sin is sin. Well, okay, but let's say there is sin, and there's a sin that doesn't lead to death, is what the Bible says, and then there's a sin that does lead to death. Well, that's pretty easy and clear, because it says something about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, even though we don't know exactly what that means, but attributing to the devil what is the work of the Holy Spirit might be part of it. What is it, Joel? Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Go ahead and, yeah, just read it. I just want us to get some understanding here, folks, because I feel like we're supposed to be, uh, you're here to have sanctuary cities. You know what that is for illegal aliens? And those who are here illegally, they find a sanctuary city like San Francisco is. There's one, I, I don't know if New Orleans, there's several around the country that are sanctuary cities. Because when it comes to, hey, ship them back, they said no, they have safety here. This is where they get a stay. Actually, in the book of Numbers, it actually talks about refuge, cities of refuge. Hello? What is that? So is that, that's part of the law. Well, that was the law. Nowadays, we should do this. What, stone people still? No. So what is it? How are we going to offer this grace? Go ahead, Joel. Um, there are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, a person who sows discord among brothers. That's Proverbs six sixteen through 19. Wait a minute. If we're going progressive, we're going to say that somebody who sows discord among brothers, it made the top of the list. It's what he ended with. If we want to say exclamation point... It kind of seems like, hmm, that's up there just as big. Why? 
Because how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133. So anything that comes against unity is not of the Lord. Could we say that? John chapter 17 says is that this is what I want. I want them to, I want them, you to be one as I and the Father are one. So see, what we have to do is come to the place where we make allowance for each other. We give grace to one another. And how great should that grace be? How great is the grace by which you still stand, breathe, live? So here's the deal, folks. If you have something with me, I stand under a great burden of knowing how to pastor, how to be able to to advance the kingdom of God for us to accomplish, to see victory in our lives. I stand under, I have no problem with that because at the end of the day, I give it to the Lord. It's not my burden, it's his. I'm only carrying it for a little while. I take up that cross willfully. I've, I've surrendered the, the things of this life and successes and other things so that I can serve God in the capacity to which I believe he's called me and he's appointed me. And I don't usually whine about that a whole lot, though it is grievous to me the condition of the flock and where we're at in justifying ourselves and our own attitudes and our own behaviors and choosing and picking and choosing how we're going to how we're going to uh, distribute the word of God and the grace of God as though it's us to be able to decide they deserve forgiveness they deserve a second chance they don't and they don't and they don't so somebody said and and I, this is on tape I'm going to take care of it with the individual but but I I've actually just been accused this week of harboring sinners New Life Fellowship is harboring sinners. See, I I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, does that mean that I'm soft on sin? You want to know about homosexuality? You want to know about about abortion? You want to know what exactly sin do you want me to, do you want to accuse me of being soft on? Because I don't think I am. Today we're going to receive communion. You know what that means? Brother says that he knows somebody's got an issue with him. And he he goes to that person because the Bible says that if you know somebody's got an issue, you have to leave your gift and then you go and reconcile that. And then you can come and bring your, your offering. Is that true, folks? Is that true, saints? So we have an obligation if it's you that it ain't even me. I, I, didn't, I didn't know you had an issue with me. I'll pick on Audrey because you know we don't have. But if you did, and I knew that you're having an issue with me, I have an obligation to come to you. It's not my issue. It's your issue. You're the one with the attitude. Yeah, show me some tood. So then she would have, she would say, not now. Not now. Leave me alone. And I'd say, Audrey, I just want to tell you that I'm brokenhearted and I weep because whatever I've done to cause this this hurt and pain in your life. And I'm just going to ask you to forgive me. And I'm going to ask you to give me another shot. Give me a do-over. But here's what you can do to help me most. Tell me what I've done so I don't do it again. Do you hear? That's the appropriate way. You bow your heart. You humble yourself and you admit it. Even if it isn't me. I didn't do anything wrong. It's you. You're the dweeb. You see, you take it upon yourself because that's what Jesus Christ did. 
Though he was, he was sinless, he was without guilt. He took it all and said, it's mine. I own it. I am taking it. That's what we have to do for one another. And we have to say, there is no indiscretion. There's nothing you can do that will cause me to waver in my support of you, my belief in Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't care if you do like what I like, if you say what I want you to say, if you're, you're out there in la-la land for some reason, whatever's going on, I still, I'm going to love you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to embrace the, the cross with you, brother. I'm going to be bloodied with you in the battle. Because that's one of the distinguishing marks. If we want revival, folks, that's what it's going to be is because he finds a church that is so full of love, so full of grace, he can't wait to come in and abide there, not just show up there. We're not after something to just show up and give us a little ticklies on the back of our neck thing. We're for an abiding presence of God that'll take us to the end of day. And folks, that means we have to practice the level of hospitality that when we were still sinners, that Christ died for the ungodly. There are things that people don't know about that pastors shouldn't say. I have people who are scared to death that that you think I'm going to disclose your sin issues. I appreciate your concern, but I hope I've earned your trust that I'll talk about mine first most. And if I do yours, I'll ask you for it and I'll try to be, I'll try to be gracious. But folks, think about it. What is it that's hindering me from being able to hear his voice? What's, what's hindering, I'm talking about us, from being able to, to experience the blessings that God wants to pour out? And if there's anything, we've got to, I said, Bob, this morning, I told Bob on the way over, I said, Bob, I'm willing that if I'm wrong, I stand, I want to be corrected. If I'm, if I'm in harboring sin, Somebody here that I'm given preferential treatment. Go ahead and, 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 Lord, speak to me. Open my eyes. Let me see. I don't want to be deceived. There's a lot of Bible passages about who doesn't get into heaven and the way we ought to do. And don't we judge those who say they're Christians. They ought to live a Christian life. And yes, that's the truth of everybody. But here's what I know. I don't know the kinds of sins you commit. If the Lord gives me a word of knowledge, then I'll know. But on a day-to-day average, I look at you folks as you're ones who want to honor God. You're ones who want to serve God. You're ones who are not given over to sin. That you might have a sin condition. That might mean something that you, can, you habitually even fall into. But here's what I know. Every time you repent, every time you ask forgiveness of the Father, He says He'll give it to you and He'll wipe you so clean, there's no evidence of that sin condition. So here's the, the illustration. Joel, maybe help me with this, would you? Here's the illustration is that this is the, the cord of three strands, right? This, this talks about the idea of pursuing life on our own. How many of you know, you guys know some loners in uh, their spiritual walk? You guys know, so you know what? They don't go to church. They watch it on TV nowadays. They got all kinds of good reasons for not going. But the truth is, how many of them are isolated and they're away from fellowship? And do you know what's happening to them? There's this tug of war, this spiritual tug of war going. Now, between us, of course, I weigh more than Joel, so it's going gonna, it's gonna, to, you know, I can pull him over. But there's a tug of war for, for the soul, for the soul of every believer and unbeliever. 
There's a tug of war right now, see? And what has to happen is I have to be willing that who's holding this on the other end is a warrior of Christ, see? And it's a court of three stands, and we're standing together, and we've got some people that are latched on in the middle of this, and you and me, we're anchors because we're pastors. So we're anchors of the soul, and this is what we're doing. We're holding it up, and we're not going to let you sink. We're not going to let you drown. We're not going to let you fall. You won't be abandoned. You're going to be tied on, and we're watching after you. Now, here's the deal. That's the one type. The other kind is, is this little, it's a little sissy kind of rope that I'm holding on by faith somehow. That's what I'm calling it. And there's this little thing that, that is not a cord of three strands. And so what happens is, is that I'm trying to hold my own. I've got my own life preserver. Thank you very much. I know how to swim. I don't need your help. And you know what happens is, is it's not anchored by warriors. It's not anchored by somebody who has an anointing to shepherd the flock of God. That's We believe we're appointed by God. We believe that no matter what happens, uh, you know what I love? I love that Judith Dilley broke her leg climbing up your steps, Elaine. Didn't know she was going to break her leg or she probably wouldn't have ascended the steps. But it was going to visit somebody who had just kind of fallen away and who we know and we love and we, we remember the testimony when you first showed up here and how God led you to this place. And you sat in the parking lot, what, two or three times. And here's Judith Dilley just saying, I don't know, it's probably how many? Was it probably a year? Yeah, and here she is coming up the steps of an old friend. Just visiting somebody, didn't know she was coming even. And she, she took a step and her, her leg snapped. And she laid out on the front steps screaming. Imagine if your leg broke and you're laying on the steps and screaming. Nobody's hearing. Nobody's coming till finally. I don't know how long it was. It was a few minutes, wasn't it? And here's what I love is Judith Dilley's a warrior. Folks, a lot of you could be on the ends of these because you're warriors, because you have the mind of Christ and you have the heart of God. See, some of you do this on a regular basis. But folks, we don't get to pick and choose who latches on to the line. We shouldn't. It should be a matter of saying, whosoever will. Whosoever will. You're welcome to latch on to my line anytime. But folks, it's when we're trying to do it on our own, we find out somewhere along the way, sometimes to the peril of, of many or all, is that that just wasn't going to hold up under the stress. And it snaps. And I said, Bob, I said, sometimes I've got the Humpty Dumpty ministry is what I call it. That people come and it's all broken. Damage has been done. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't fix it, put it back together again. And I'm like, Lord, what do you do if somebody didn't listen? You have kids, you know what that's been like when they wouldn't heed your your counsel when you've, you've, you've sought it with tears. Lord, all I want is for them to gain the victory in their lives. Lord, all I want is for them to actually win. Lord, what I want is, don't they see their own calamity? Don't they see what it's like trying to do this on their own? And yet I can't force myself in as a shepherd. I can't make myself that. I can pray for you. That's what I do. I have a burden for you. But what happens is, Lord, please, will you... I said, God, I believe that these saints, that they hear from you, that I pray the conviction of the Holy Spirit that's going to show us that 
We're trying to justify ourselves. Or whatever that deep woundedness is, that hurt. And that causes us to want to make other people do what we want to, or we think needs to be done. Let me get to Romans. I'm not here to beat you up, folks. I'm here to, I'm here to help us. I'm here to say, if that's it, if the cord of three strands, then whatever it is, I have an obligation to tell you that when you see division, when you hear it, you know, it's, it's hey, pastor, you need to talk to pastor. I'll go with you. I don't care. And if I'm wrong, I am telling you, I will humble myself and I will confess it. And if I need to make it public, I'll stand here publicly and say, I was wrong. Do you hear me? But you can't be one that people feed and give all this stuff because you validate all their their junk. And then they defile you as they're doing that. Do you hear it? They defile you. They're throwing up on you. And then you're throwing it up on somebody else. And it stinks. Here's, uh, boy, <clears throat> went a little different direction than I was planning. Habakkuk 2. You guys are familiar with that. But it's verse 2, chapter 2, uh, verse 2. The Lord answered me and said, record the vision and inscribe it on tablets. But back up at first, he says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. That's what he starts with. Do you know that? Standing and watching on the ramparts, looking out over and saying, okay, what's, what's God trying to, to, to say here? What's he trying to, what's, what's the devil trying to do in Joe Papp's life? No, you can't have your way. Lord, I agree with your purposes, which you've, you determined before Joe Papp ever was even formed in his mama's womb. Lord, I agree with what you're going to do in, in Jerry Stewart's life and God, how you're causing him to, you're touching his heart about parenting and you're touching his heart about what kind of husband he is. And Lord, I just agree that he, you have his heart, you have his ear, that he's going to hear it, and Lord, you'll equip him and empower him, and you'll anoint him to be better than he ever was. I pray, Father, that his family would recognize the efforts, recognize your spirit upon him, recognize the change that he's trying to come about, and God, that they will bless and they will work with him to bring that change about, even change that they've wanted in their own papa. See, I mean, those are the kinds of things that all the, they come out. Just a matter of praying for. So he says here, I stand on the rampart. So then he says, the Lord says, record the, the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run for the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it, for it will certainly come. It will not delay. Though it tarries, wait for it. Can you put up the message version on that real quick? Thank you, Kenny. By the way, he was able to pull that one up from Proverbs. That just shows um, how good he is. Amen. But he's also attentive. That's a good quality. So in Romans chapter uh, uh, 3, I want to go there real quick. You all know that 323 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Uh, we'll go ahead with where you're at if you if you got that in the message, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you want to say it. 
And then God answered, write this. Write what you see. Write it out on big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. And it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. Boy, whenever you endeavor to do anything for the Lord, I'm telling you, you just got to put on some sort of, I don't know if I want to call it holy patience, but you better put on some holy perseverance. See what I mean? That means is that I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. That's the reason for writing it in something that can't be destroyed. Write it in stone, if you will. The reason for it is because I don't want it edited. I don't want it broke down. I want what I declare to you and over you. I want to see it fulfilled. And I want you to know that even if you're having to wait for it and you're wondering when, oh Lord, when, oh Lord, it will, even though it tarries, I will perform my word, which I've been watching over concerning you. By the way, that's Jeremiah one twelve. He is watching over his word to perform it. Wow. We're not talking about just anybody. We're talking about God. He says over the word. So here's what assignment for this week. I gave Ted this morning one. I just happened to find it was from 2001. This uh, Jim and Carolyn Weiss who was here, prophetic ministry. Some of you remember him. And um, one thing, uh, it was just, I don't know if it's Matthew or Joseph or if it's Ted. I, but um, I love it when prophets say, I'm sorry, what is your name? And then they say your name. So now it's very clear who we're speaking to. I was listening to one a guy named Harold Harding. Anybody remember Harold Harding? He was a Canadian. Way back in 1991. So I found the cassette. My truck still has a cassette player in it. Bless God. So I'm listening to this speaker. Then he comes to prophecy. And he begins to prophesy. But he says to this lady in the pink. I don't know who that is. Then he says to another one. She was kind of snobbish. I think that's what, the, what he said. Kind of snobby. I was like, hmm, I don't know how that went. But uh, here's the deal. So he only identified him. But here's what the Lord has spoke to my heart a couple days ago about myself. Is I've spoken things over you, Joel. I've spoken things about you that you've forgotten about. I want you to remember. You know why? Because we're preparing for communion. And he says, whenever you do this, you remember. And so I want you to remember the words that I've declared over you. I'm watching over my word to perform it in your life. How many of you have, uh, let's say it this way, how many of you have never had a prophetic word? Did you raise your hands? If you've never had a word spoken over you, a prophetic word. So most everybody in the room has had a prophetic word spoken over you. Is that true? Wow. Do you remember what it was? Well, there's been more than one. More than likely, there's been two or three. And you know what they are? The same one keeps coming. I think of Linda. I've heard three of them. You know what they always are about? The Lord's faithfulness in weeping over you and strengthening you, isn't it? It's usually something about how you don't view yourself, but how he does view you. Isn't that good? And she knows I love her, so I'm saying a word about her because she might struggle with those things of feeling like how many of you do. We don't feel like you're worthy. You don't feel like you feel like you may have missed the Lord. You did something to cause the, the blessing or the promise not to happen. Wow, there is therefore now no condemnation. Amen? So I just want you to, to think about this week. If you could find an old tape, go and look through. I found some. I've got some uh, probably on some of you yet. Um, I'm listening to those things that, 
this was a couple days before, and then I hear this tape, and then this prophet is speaking about him. And, and I was like, wow, Lord, aren't you cool? From, from 1991, it's down here at our old location, down at, uh, I called it Jonah's place. Because he talks about the beam, that's, uh, or the pillar that's supporting the beam. I can tell just where he's at. It's the one you guys put in. And so, what word has he spoken to you that you might have even given up on it? By the way, that was part of the word to uh, Christi, to uh, come on, um, Brad and Candy Crystal, to Crystal Thorne, that I, when I called him, and all of a sudden in the midst of the call, I just knew to call him, didn't know what it was about, and I said, boom, all of a sudden it hit me. <laughs> Say this. So I said, Bob, I'm just supposed to tell you that there's something that you've been holding out for, that, that God, uh, you've, you've, you've prayed for, you've wanted, you've yearned for, but you've given up on it. And you figured that it was just not going to happen. And God says that he hasn't forgotten about it and he's going to do it. I don't know what that is. Is there something you've given up on? Yes, we've given up on getting pregnant. Wow. Guess what? There's little baby Christina and now there's another one too. There's two children. God said he's going to do it. You know what? I think it was like within a week or two, she found out she was pregnant. <laughs> Boy. Though it tarries, wait for it. Though it tarries, wait for it. The God of heaven is still on the scene. The God of heaven who is sovereign over all the events, over that which he's either allowed or caused. He'll work everything together for good. Amen? That means it may not start out so good. Get it? Did you have something, Mike? I'm sorry. Oh, okay. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) He's like... All right, let me get this so we can do communion. I'm sorry. I don't like rushing it. Um, My heart is so heavy. You know, it's so difficult because what I want to walk in is the joy of the Lord. And I believe it's what we need to be able to see the release of anointing in our lives. And that's the reason that when when we get in despair, we have to bring that to the Lord. Why so downcast, oh, my soul? Put your hope in God. So all I'm trying to do is tell you this morning by way of, of not hammering anybody, I'm just telling you, that these are some things that we need to be able to do for you to, to be able to come and, and let's reckon with one another. That's, that's what we get to do. And then we end up on the, hey, you know, all I know is, is I'm going to trust that he who began a good work in you, Pastor, he's going to continue it. So I'm hanging in there with you, dude, because you need me. <laughs> Say yes, amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, let's finish with this. Uh, it's in Romans chapter 3. It's the whole... Uh, called imputed righteousness. It's, it means that we had sin was imputed to us, that our ultimate ancestors are Adam and Eve. And so what happens is we were born with original sin. See, it's the bloodline. And so what happens is, is even if you kept the Ten Commandments, even if you've done all these righteous deeds, you still got the, the uh, mark of original sin. And it's the reason that we have to accept Jesus Christ because he's the one who takes and removes all sin, all sin stain, and, and he restored us to Jesus, to God. So thereby, it's why we have to say, yes, Jesus, thank you that you forgave me. I invite you to come into my heart. I want you to cleanse me from all my sins. I want to live my life for you. I want you to transform my life. That's part of salvation. I don't want to just get saved. I want to live a transformed life. So now it's called imputed. Yeah, come on up. 
is called imputed righteousness. So here it goes, verse 21 and following. I think the words will be on the wall. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. Through, through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed for the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. All I do, folks, is when you profess faith in Jesus Christ, he's your justifier. You operate under the same grace that he does. And I don't care how grievous or deep or bad your sin is or how simple and small and, and uh, seemingly... What's the word I want? Inconsequential is a big word. Yeah, that's good. So it seems like, oh, I didn't hurt anybody. Or, man, I, I devastated people's lives. What is the sin that is greater than the cross? Is there a sin greater than the cross, that a blood-bought believer is going to actually try. Because I don't think anybody in here is willing to commit the sin leading to death, right? So I'm going to say that we're all given over that we might sin, but those aren't the things that are in my heart to be like that. And if they are, you won't feel comfortable around people talking about it anyway, will you? So let's, let's ask him to do what we always ask him to do. Let's ask him to search our heart. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And this is the king. This is the guy after God's own heart saying this. This is the one who knew. He wrote and penned about the Savior. He's, he's the line. That's the line that's coming through. Covenant with David that God makes. Search me, O God. And know me. He actually has given God permission, but he knows God already knows. So the issue for you and I might be to search my heart and show me. Show me, God. Have I been guilty of some of those things? Have I been bringing division, God, in my family, in my workplace? Have I been bringing division in the church? Have I been been bringing, what kind of a witness have I been? Has my light been, have I been casting shadows? With my walk. Lord, I just want to offer up before, before these, these sheepies. I just want to offer up that, God, you know I struggle with attitude. You know that I struggle with wanting to be uh, better than I am. To be a, 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 the man after your own heart. To be the, the shepherd that you've called me to be. To walk in the anointing that I need. To be able to lead your, your great flock. So, God, I I just, if there's any doubt among my brothers and sisters is, God, I don't think I'm all that. I'm not going to think any less of myself or any more of myself than what you say about me. 
So God, I humble my own heart toward, toward these that I have, that I'm having to respond to even publicly. That God, uh, I want to see them rescued. I want to see them delivered. I want to see God that there'll be a, su- su- really a submitting themselves, God, to one another, to this body that will become such, that it'll be such a, a, a place of friendship and commitment and covenant. We'll have to say, we've. I'm sorry, we've reached 260, and that's our capacity for the fire code. I'm not talking about the fire code of God. I'm talking about the fire code of man. No, we, we've got to have this. We've been waiting for a place like this. We've been searching for a place where they would, we would find true love acceptance, and forgiveness. We've been looking for someone who wouldn't give up on us, who wouldn't hold it against us, who would give us the same grace which we we read about from the Father. So, Lord, I speak healing over over these uh, these individuals specifically, God. Having exposed it, I want to give no opportunity for the devil We seal them by the Holy Spirit. We ask God for you to rescue them. We ask God for for you to restore us in in right fellowship. Not making it like it used to be, but make it the way you've always intended it to be. Father, for each of us here today, if we've been holding on by a thread, I believe you've extended the cord of three strands. So we no longer have to hold on by a thread. That you'll give us the peace in our hearts. That you're watching over your word to perform it. And now, Father, release the Holy Spirit, the convictor of sin and of righteousness, to search our hearts. Just give you that opportunity right now, folks, to say, what about me, Lord? What do you say about me? justifier, the just and the justifier. Bible says, whom he loves, he chastises or disciplines. Joel says that's the difference between discipline and punishment. Punishment deals with the past and discipline prepares us for the future. Because he says that whoever is trained by it, it'll result in righteousness. Folks, you guys may have the opportunity. You've got somebody you know is out of line. Not, not just from this church, anywhere. You have an obligation. You have a privilege to be able to restore such a one. That's what the Bible says. You see them sinning to restore such a one. 